Hey, everybody, welcome back to Off the Couch on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're up to, including all of our other podcasts, over at blisterreview.com. And once again, we are broadcasting this episode from the Gunnison Valley of Colorado, and you should come spend some time in our wide open spaces and do some running or hiking or biking on our amazing and vast network of trails here in Gunnison and Crested Butte. Okay, today we are talking with the one and only creator of Semirad.com, Brendan Leonard, who also happens to be my good friend and typically my off-the-couch co-host. But today we are pushing Brendan out of his normal co-host chair and we're kind of throwing him into the interviewee seat because I just really felt like we all needed a catch-up episode with Brendan and I actually think this conversation is proof that we did. So as you are about to see, we are going to be talking about Brendan's new FKT, which I didn't even know about. We talk about his current running program And of course, there's food talk, you know, pizza, of course, also gas station donuts. I think that was my contribution to the episode. But we also talk about how Brendan deals with deadlines or what I now like to call the deadline dungeon and how good or bad he is about sort of keeping a regiment or routine together when you're pushed up against hard deadlines. Then we also talk about some of his current and upcoming projects, and we find our way down one or two tangents amidst all of that. And so here it is, ladies and gentlemen, it's the Brendan Leonard catch-up edition of Off the Couch, and I think you'll find that it does not disappoint. Here we go. Well, Brendan Leonard, it's you, and only you, Thanks for coming on the podcast, Jonathan. (laughs) You're welcome, Brendan. I should just say at the top, I have been wanting to do this episode with you for a while because like we just kind of haven't really been in the situation to just do like a let's check in and catch up with Brendan. I mean, we co-host episodes where we're always talking to some, you know, incredibly interesting guest. But I was like, I, I need a little just, I, I've got some questions for Brendan. I need to know how he's doing. As you always do with me, you very reluctantly agreed to, to do this. It'll be fun. I think it'll be fun. I'm, you know, like, like you said, you always have all these interesting people on. It'll be nice to just have me on and I'm not very interesting. So Right. Yeah. We got to take the interesting yeah. <laughs> level down a notch. It's like, it's like if you're a DJ and you're just playing bangers every single time, you need that one track. It just kind of slow rolls the audience, calms them down a bit. So you're like the off-the-couch sedative. Episode. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, that's good. So why don't you give us the kind of macro overview bullet point answer about some of the things happening in your life? It is a winter storm morning where I live this weekend. Winter has arrived very, very quickly. I got my big running goal for the year finished on October 6th and now I'm kind of settling in and not moving as much and eating too much and um, trying to make myself still go running even though it's cold out. So um, it's like that shoulder season between being able to ski and being comfortable running. And I think I might've gone for my last run in shorts 
on uh, Wednesday. So, okay, wait a second. Your big running goal for the year wrapped up on October sixth. So I either have a terrible memory or the last running goal I knew about was completing one marathon a week. We moved to Missoula, Montana. I moved. I moved back. I like to think since I lived here from 2002 to 2004, um, but we moved here this summer and, uh, I've been running a lot in the rattlesnake, which is a neighborhood, a national recreation area, a wilderness area. Um, but it's the, the drainage of the, of rattlesnake Creek as it flows into, into town, into the Clark Fork river in Missoula. And, um, I had been riding my bike over to the trailheads to run a lot over there. And I thought, man, I wonder if there's a way you can do this sort of big, loop that would that would encompass a lot of this terrain so i started poking around m- maps and um like online mapping programs like caltopo and drawing a route and thinking oh this this would be super cool so basically it was this huge loop i thought it'd be around 60 miles and maybe about 12,000 feet of elevation gain and i think i think maybe about a quarter mile of actual pavement um in that whole swath and uh i was like i was was pretty trained for it in september feeling really good i've been running a lot of mountain runs and um fast fast for me you know getting stronger and then we had a really bad uh week of wildfire smoke and then i I left to do uh, my writing workshop on a river trip and so like i ran once that week and then i like ran once the week after that trying to like i was like oh yeah i'm gonna go do it on Friday and then things came up. So I, I would be trying to rest in order to do this. And really what happened was I got out of shape and then, uh, and then I was just like, you know what? I got like one day to do this before, you know, my parents were coming to visit and I just went for it on a Tuesday morning and, uh, I was going to get up super early to do it, but we, uh, <laughs> but you slept in. <laughs> we, well, we had some friends over to watch a movie in the backyard and, Ended up staying up pretty late, so I got I got started at eight a.m. and I remember telling Hillary I'll probably be back by like eight p.m. or ten p.m. I mean, you know, I'm, I think this will go pretty fast. And let's see, I didn't see a person for like the last after. I think it was like right around hour three. I saw the last person was a mountain biker, and I didn't see another person for fifteen hours as I was back there running around tagging five different peaks almost completely on trails, one short section of bushwhacking to get to this one summit, uh, Mosquito Peak. And I was out there by myself for six hours in the dark, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Got back to my car. Like I literally parked my car, ran away from the trailhead to a different trailhead, started up this, this hill and then just went for it for yeah 18 hours a little over 18 hours and it was 65 miles and like 14,000 feet of elevation gain um there were no water sources after mile 35 so i had the last 30 miles with 3.1 liters of of water in my in my vest and bottles and was just like okay i guess i make this last and fortunately i'm slow so it was getting cold so um so i didn't drink as much water on the way on the rest of the way but yeah it was a grind um for sure (laughs) it was not fast 65 miles yeah so it was like sort of you know you're watching all these people you know there's no races this year so a lot of the fast runners we all look up to are doing fkts and i thought well i probably can't 
you know, do a trail that someone else has done and like do an FKT or anything like that. But I could create a route and put it on the FKT, the fastest known time website, and then people could do it. And maybe it could become one of those things that people, local people do for an FKT, you know, and like compete with each other, not including me. Like I would put my name on it. And then of course the very next person who runs it will just smash it, which is totally fine (laughs) with me. I just wanted to like have it mapped out so people could be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I know where that goes. And that does sound fun. I can do that. And it is very accessible, super close to town. As long as you figure out the water, um, in the last 30 miles, um, which a lot of faster people don't need nearly as much water, but you can also leave. I wrote this on, on my FKT submission that you, where you could leave water, um, a couple different spots. And I almost did that, but I kind of ran out of time for like, I think I would have had to mountain bike up like six miles and 3000 feet just to drop like a bear canister with water and snacks in it. So I just didn't do it. Um, and I just, just toughed it out and carried all my, carried all my, my food and water. So, um, that was the idea was to like try to make something that other people could do. I really hope somebody else does it. Cause I feel kind of, um, kind of ridiculous putting my name on the FKT website. Now, is this your first FKT? Well, I mean, you could, you know, as long as it's never been done before, it's an FKT, I think, really. Well, okay. Is this your first sort of official, like you're on the... Yeah, I literally literally registered on the website, submitted the route, and then submitted my FKT, and then and then started donating to the FKT, the Fastest Known Time Patreon page, because it's such a cool thing, and those guys need money, so... But yeah, it is, and I, I don't know that I would ever have anything else, but it is fun to make up make up things, you know, and be like, Hey, this, this could be a thing if you want to do it. And maybe something logistically less difficult and shorter would be fun. But yeah, it was, it was kind of cool. It was like a little inspired by our conversation with buzz and looking at the website and seeing, seeing what people do. That's, that's fun. How, how people are being creative and chaining things together and, or linking things together and calling that a route and um, seeing, seeing what other people, letting other people have fun with it too. Um, by, by creating a route for people to do. So two questions. First, what's the movie you watched in your backyard the night before your FKT heat? Yeah. So, I mean, I couldn't be more proud of you right now. That was Hillary's choice, but well, we, we rented a theater or she rented a theater for my 40th birthday. Um, and, and we watched, we watched heat then. Um, but yeah, she was, she was talking to some friends of ours and was like, let's have people over to watch a movie. And she got a big screen and we couldn't get the projector to work. So we ended up watching the movie on, uh, <laughs> like my, my iMac, but there's only four of us. So it was fine. We, I mean, we've talked about heat on off the couch. I know. Yeah. Monday night in your backyard in a neighborhood is probably not the best time to be watching that. Um, the shootout yeah. scene. Yeah. You're like the worst um, neighbor ever, but yeah. So wait, well, who's the bigger heat fan, you or Hillary? I think I am, but probably not by much. Okay. I think it's sort of, sort of our movie. She doesn't watch a lot of, it's very atypical for her. Um, but she appreciates the storytelling and the, and the dialogue and stuff like that, but she doesn't usually watch uh movies where people get killed we're gonna move off this real quickly i promise but have you seen den of thieves no is it please go now (laughs) i think i watched the trailer and i was like go this just looks like this just looks like a remake of heat right it it, it is an homage it is an homage to heat okay but people who love heat i it was utterly delightful I'm so like, and I've, I've like, this is now instead of talking to people about the movie Heat, 
like everybody's kind of seen Heat. So now it's all about trying to get people to go see Den of Thieves. It is not Heat. Nothing is Heat, but it is phenomenal. And it is an homage. I'll see you later. I'm going to go watch it then. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, please do that. All right, we're off We're off the bank heist movies. My second question was, I mean, give us a little bit of a review of this this route, this FKT route. I mean, you're saying like, it'd be cool. I set this thing up, you know, maybe some other people will go run it now and absolutely shatter your record, you know, mm-hmm. um, just keeping it real. But did you like it? Would you recommend it? You mentioned like, if you can figure out the water part of it. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I personally had less fun than I think other people will have. Cause it was, uh, cause I grossly underestimated it and, um, also showed up not very, not in very good shape. And, um, yeah, but I mean, I totally was not, I was not crying on the way, the way down from the last summit, but I think it's a really cool, it really was interesting to me how far out there you can feel starting running from literally the trailhead that you park at for, for Mount Jumbo here is on a street between houses. You know, it's like literally it just, these people live at the base of a mountain trailhead, which is pretty sweet. So that's where I started and finished. So you leave, you're running to your car, running from your car, which is parked in front of somebody's house. And then, you know, whatever, 12 hours later, the sun, it got dark. And I was like, oh my God. And I, there were no light. I couldn't see lights anywhere, of course, because it's, there are no towns within view of where I was. And I was on the backside of these mountains and, uh, extremely, yeah, extremely dark, hadn't seen people in a long time. And then there was definitely some funny animal noises, different, different parts, some glowing eyeballs that I was like, ah, I really hope that's not a mountain lion. You know, um, something, something way late in the night was like, I think I wrote down what mile it was in my phone, but something, I sort of spooked something and it like was just crashing through bushes and trees about 50 feet off the trail. And I was like, boy, I hope that's not a bear, you know, but that's a real thing. So I couldn't believe the morale boost I had when I started to be able to see the city lights again, probably 15 miles from the end, maybe 12. I forget. I wrote it down, but it was very interesting to be in a literally, literally and figuratively dark place for a couple hours and, and realize that civilization was not that far away. So yeah, I, I mean, I think it's cool. Was it more about like, I can see lights that somehow maybe made it feel like I'm less likely to be eaten by a wild animal now. <laughs> yeah. Or just, just that you could smell the barn, you know, to, so to speak. And maybe potentially there's pizza sometime soon, as opposed to cramming down more of these like cliff blocks and waffles that have been eaten for the last 15 hours or whatever. So, but yeah, I mean all the, it's like one of the coolest spots that I think is reachable for people who can cover 30 miles in a day is a spot way back uh, in the rattlesnake call. I think it's called little lake or middle, middle lake. I should look this on a map, but it's this thing, you know, this small lake with these massive cliffs above it, but you can't get to it. I think it's 14 miles by the shortest way. And there's two ways to get to it. And that's like your, maybe you're a third of the way done at that point uh, with this loop, but you're never going to see anybody back there. Like the trail is not, it is not buff single track at that point. It's pretty, it's pretty like, it's there, but you're not like, it's not like somebody's going back there to maintain it, nor do many people walk on it. So yeah, just to have that view and then you know, to be up on top of these peaks um, that I probably would, I don't know that I would go to all of, I would have not had the time to go to them, all of them individually this year, but to just tick them off and see what was up on the summits, except for 
the second to last one, which I was complete darkness. So I have no idea what it looks like up there, but apparently it's beautiful. Um, you should go back. Yeah. And it's doable, but to, <laughs> to do the, to do the normal run up to sheep mountain, I think it's, uh, the loop itself is exactly a marathon. So it's like, that's a big day in itself. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah. And also just being, wanting to quit at like 35 miles and sort of doing the math going, Oh, well, if I bail right now, I have to walk out X number of miles and then, then that's just to get to that other trailhead, which I would maybe have service and I could potentially call Hillary to come pick me up or <laughs> I just keep walking back to my car. So at a certain point you're like, well, it's like 23 miles to finish and like 14 miles to just bail. And like, yeah, it's not even worth it. So you just keep moving, I guess. This gets back to the like Midwestern, we don't want to inconvenience yes, anyone. I know. Yeah. Right. So you're like, ah, I don't want to make put Hillary. You out. Yeah. So I'll just run the, the 23 miles. Yeah. <laughs> or the Midwestern tendency to, why would I fly? It's only a nine and a half hour drive, you know? Oh, I like, do that one for that sure. One it's like, yeah, why would I, why would I walk out and then get a ride when I could just keep slogging away for the next eight hours and be done? Yeah. Definitely a tangent, but kind of fun fact Two days ago, I had to get a new driver's license. Turns out that's really hard to do in Colorado right now. Oh, really? So I drove four and a half hours for a like 15 minute appointment to get the driver's license and then just got back in the car and drove four and a half hours back. To Denver or what? (laughs) No, Cortez. Oh my God. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, we have people driving down from Denver like all the time. It's like... I don't really know what's going on. Because they're not that busy and they can get people in? Yep. Hmm. Yeah. Gorgeous drive, by the way. Yeah. I was like, I just drove 10 hours for a fifth, literally a 15 minute appointment. God, I hope you got like a sandwich or something while you were there. Gas station food. Ooh. I did. I, I'm, this is, yeah. I'll say this quick because I need to confess this and get it out there. I think I've actually confessed this before. When I go on like road trips, like I eat like real clean at home and then anytime i go on a road trip apparently it's if it's over an hour gas station donuts you're you're cory waltering you're just smashing i'd like i went to like a a mavericks gas station and got like two donuts like open air donuts and i was like i wonder if these are covered in covid and i was like it's probably fine you can't you can't get it from eating something and if somebody coughs on it and you inhale it you can maybe get it Yeah, but it's like open donuts sitting in the like you know you open the display case and they're just like sitting there so it's not that open okay it's not that open anyway that's what i did i'm not proud of that part huh well those are i mean i'm not i'm not gonna I'm not going to shit on gas station donuts at all. That's true. We did have Corey. I forgot. Corey, I've got, I'm on team Corey on this one. So I'm, I'm in good company. Another question I have never asked you about. You know that I'm quite like anti-technology when it comes to running. Cause I feel like that's my only, anytime I'm like riding a bike or skiing, you know, or running, like I'm trying to not be around technology since I'm like living at a computer a lot of my waking hours. This is why I've still yet to, I've never ever been on Strava. And I'm, even though you've told me I should, and we've been over that, but I'm now getting intrigued with the whole heart rate monitoring thing. Are you a heart rate monitor person when you run? No. Well, the, I have a Garmin Phoenix and that supposedly takes your heart rate, but it's around your wrist. I'm not really sure 
maybe it's accurate. I don't know, but I've never, never worn the chest thing. And I've been sort of surprised at what the heart rate maxes out at on via my wrist. Cause it like, it just shows you when you open the app on your phone, it's like, here's what your maximum heart rate was. And I'll be like, God, I was running uphill at like 10,000 feet. I thought I was going to fucking die. And then, and it's like, it was 160, you know? And you're like, I, it was 160 when I was running in the park the other day on flat, you know? So I'm not sure if it's super accurate, but no, I don't, I don't use that. But yeah, I'm, as far as technology goes, I'm all about the mapping software. That's yeah, the mapping are. apps that are just awesome. Like yeah. I've been using trail forks. Well, I've been since we moved and it is amazing for, for this place and, um, really psyched on it. Yeah. And even if like, I'm not wearing like a strap heart rate monitor strap, but like, even like looking at a watch, I've kind of been, well, I just had this conversation with Cody Townsend and he's the guy that really got me into this. And he's, it's really interesting. He's like, you know, doing this thing is called the 50 project where he's skiing like these 50 classic ski descents. And like, it's some gnarly, gnarly stuff, mm-hmm. some gnarly ascents, a lot of gnarly descents, but he's doing this whole, like stay in zone two with your heart rate. And so like we were running and it was like the easiest run I ever went on hmm. because he was like, I'm not allowed to get my heart rate above 135. Huh. And it's just super interesting to me. And it was like, turns out it was delightful and we were able to talk, you know, and I wasn't like suffering three minutes into the run. And I was like, I could get down with this. And this is literally what he's doing for his preparation to go like ski some of the gnarliest lines in North America. So this, this created my new interest in like, maybe I'm just a zone two guy. I don't know if you, I don't know if you need to keep track of your heart rate like that much for, but you could, but. David Roach, the famous, the famous running coach says like 80% of your miles should be easy. So you can have a conversation while you're, while you're running. So I I think like 95% of mine are easy, maybe 99. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I'm not that serious about it. I just want to go out and be not be away from my computer for a while. So, um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I I think, uh, I don't know. I like being comfortable when I run. So but you are doing that simply based off how you're feeling as opposed to like, I'm looking at this watch to see like, oh, that heart rate's getting a bit, creeping up a bit higher than it should. You're just doing it off of feel. Oh no, yeah, I check my, uh, I check the watch a lot just for mileage. Just be like, oh, okay, how much do I have left? And especially on this like big loop, I was like, oh my God, this is gonna be 65 miles, you know, like, or I've been climbing for 2000 feet. I think this is a 3000 foot climb. So it's gotta be around the corner here, which, you know, I look at it more and more and more, the more tired I get, the more sick of what I'm doing I get, but I kind of like metrics to a point, but I'm not that serious about running, I guess. Like, I like, I like going for distance as opposed to the, um, whatever else, whatever else people look at time, I guess, or yeah. speed. So, yeah. Well, the, the, I guess the funny or the most interesting thing, and I know everybody listening to this is like, wow, you are really stupid. And it's like, yeah, it's, I accept that. But for me, it's just that it's the throttle, right? It's the governor. Like, Mm -hmm. I still think I have a tendency, like I'm going out and I'm going like too fast for the terrain that I'm typically running in, like very high altitude, a lot of like steep climbs, et cetera. And it's like, dude, just calm it down. Like, you know, throttle back. You'll enjoy this run a lot more. And it's like, 
turns out that's I'm very intrigued by this <laughs> notion. <laughs> like, go easier, man. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no shit, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah of course. I know. Yeah. I, well, I, I mean, I don't know. I guess I approach it from I wanted to run X miles, and if I if I overdo it in the first, you know, fifty percent of that, I'm not going to feel like finishing. So it's like, sort of go. What's the saying? Go slow and then taper off, something like that. Mm-hmm. So um, go slow and taper. Yeah. See, so. but Brendan, this might be related a bit to the like the conversation you and I were having before we started recording. I'm a bit of a redliner. <laughs> like I think by nature I'm a bit of a redliner. So this governor notion is it, it probably has broader applications beyond just running for me. Yeah, probably. Um I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's I, I think a lot of I I don't know, I think a lot of people probably get turned off of running by the fact that it's hard and they feel like they should be going fast. Maybe that's not true. I think some people probably get turned off by that, you know, cause we have memories of gym class or like trying to run the mile for the presidential physical fitness test. And I'm, I just did not, I haven't had that approach as an adult, you know, I'm just like, yeah, let's, let's go out for a jog see how many miles we can go. And like, especially when it comes to like mountain running, there's just a limit to how much you can run actually uphill and, and still finish, uh, whatever mileage you're going after, you know? So I hike a lot. So 16, let's see. Yeah. 65 miles in 18 hours is definitely not, I'm, I'll check the math, but it's definitely not six minute miles. You know what I mean? There are people who can do that, but I'm not one of them, but I just, so I think I've always focused on the miles first and that's, that's my fun, you know, as opposed to, like a, if you're a road runner, I think the one thing you can, your metric that you can always improve on is speed and mine is more like tourism, I guess, or something. I don't know. Like I want to go see more stuff. And so I have not, I don't get, um, I don't concentrate on the, how fast I'm going very much. Every once in a while I'll be like, geez, I think I'm going to go try to break my record for my personal record for 10 K, whatever Strava says it is. And actually don't know what it is so it's i'm just going really fast for a while for like one one run every year or something like that or i don't know man it's should be fun right so i think everybody's everybody has a different different goals too and like it's like how do you make it work for you and how do you trick yourself into going for a run like what do you do you want to is it better for you to make a game out of it or pick a certain goal and try to go for that and everybody has different goals and yeah so do do whatever works for you, I guess. I wanted to ask you about like running where you live now being, I think, a lot closer to trails than you were in the city in Denver. Has that, first of all, I take it that's accurate? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so has that been something that you have like consciously been thinking about in terms of like your relationship to running are you like, wow, like having that quicker access to trails that I like, are you like more into running now than you were? I mean, we did the whole episode where you talked about how you were squeezing in like a marathon a week in the city, right? Mm -hmm. Or not always, but like oftentimes Mm -hmm. like at a city park or something. So has that been a kind of palpable difference for you? Or has it been more like, I mean, different location, it's still running, goals are pretty similar, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, this is during the summer too, but it's pretty hard to make myself run, do a flat run in town. It's like, and I I definitely got really into biking to trailheads this summer because I would put on trail running shoes and we were renting an apartment and then 
the house we're in is like two miles from a trailhead, which is close, but you're like, man, if I'm going for an eight mile run, half of that's going to be on pavement. Do I wreck these awesome trail shoes I have by running to the trailhead or do I bike there and then start running? So that's been, that's been interesting, but yeah, I, I love it. You know, I took off Wednesday, ran two miles to the trailhead, did just under 2000 feet of elevation gain to the top of a peak, turned around, ran back. It's like nine miles in two hours of like, that's so awesome for me. Really digging it. Yeah. Do I miss Ethiopian food? A little bit for sure. Fair. <laughs> so, you know, but, uh, yeah, the, the access is, yeah, I think it, I think it's changed a little bit and I think it'll give me the opportunity to get more fit at going uphill. I was sort of on my way there earlier this summer and then got derailed a little bit by wildfires and other things. But, um, yeah, I would like to get, I'd like to get a little faster going uphill or a little stronger anyway. So I'm not just, uh, slogging uphill and hating it. Yeah. Runner couple relationship honesty question who is more likely if you're out on a run with hillary which of the two of you is more likely to be like yeah you know maybe we should probably pick up the pace oh i don't we probably i don't think we do usually oh, i don't come know on. i was this, i said honesty i i remember i put that in at the end <laughs> well a thing a thing that happened this summer is so mount jumbo is the trail run the south south side of mount jumbo is I think it's 5.2 miles round trip straight up and straight down and like 1500 feet of elevation gain. So 1500 feet up and 2.6 miles. And I said to Hillary one morning, I think I'm going to go try to run, see if I can run the whole way to the summit, which is a big deal for me. I mean, it's not super steep, but, um, it was, it was definitely kicking my ass and I made it about two thirds of the way up, which is like, Oh my God, I'm dying. I got to walk. And I got home and told her about it. She's like, Oh, that's cool. And then she's like, I think I'm going to try that. I don't know if it was the same day or the next day, but <laughs> she's like, she came back and she goes, well, I made it to the top. And I'm like, oh, that's amazing. Well, how did you do that? And she goes, well, I paced myself. And I was like, whoa, okay. Interesting. <laughs> so, so I, she's like, yeah, I just went really slow and just like was barely jogging at certain points, but still jogging. So I just didn't let myself quit and made it to the top. And so I tried that the next time and well, I'll be damned. It worked, you know, and I, I ran to the top and then and the, the same thing across across the river on Mount Sentinel. It's uh, the smoke jumper trail. It's pretty steep. Gains two thousand feet to the summit of Mount Sentinel, and I think she went like a week later. I was like, I'm gonna try that, and ran all the way to the top. I'm like, man, you're a beast, you know. And so I went and tried it and paced myself and barely made it, you know, like almost vomited, and, and then it was like. So I'm like following her lead, um, as far as pacing myself, but yeah, I don't think, I don't think that's, there's much of that. Um, and then a few weeks later I, I decided to link both of them together and run to the top of one run down and then run to the top of the other one. And that was, that almost killed me too. Um, she hasn't done that yet, but it's, um, the peaks are on the opposite sides of Hellgate Canyon. And so I was calling it the Hellgate half pipe where you go up and down. And, <laughs> yep. uh, I, I think it needs to be a more direct route to be called the Hellgate half pipe. Cause it goes up the easiest trails instead of the, the harder trails. Um, but I think she was, she was thinking about it, but now it's snowing. So it might, might have to wait till the spring, but. So, okay. How much time do you two actually spend like running together? Cause right now it sounds like one of you goes and does a run, then tells mm -hmm. the other about it, and then they go do it. And like, maybe you never actually run together. You just are like, I just did this thing. You should then go do it. 
Um, you know, honestly, we've been here since July 7th and I think we've probably run together like three times maybe, but the dog, the poor dog has, this is his third house in like, Uh, uh, you know, it was like three houses in like four months and he's just like not, not at all relaxed. And we've only had him for a year and a half now. So it's like. He's kind of kind of a little antsy at this point, but he's getting to the point where we'll leave him alone for a little while. But we're kind of both like, ah, maybe I'll just stay with stay with the guy a little bit and make sure he's not. Uh, we're not taking years off his life by leaving him home alone. <laughs> like we moved in here and we were here for a week or two, and we walked to the grocery store, which is one block away. We're gone for like twenty five minutes, and we started walking up the driveway to the house and I heard this dog howling and I was like, Oh my God, that's our dog. He's inside. Just like, so forlorn, just like, Oh my God, where did they go? Uh-huh. You know? And, and we were, yeah. So I see. So there's we're, some, we're working that out. There's some yeah. stay at home parenting going on and Ralph could be going on some of these runs with you or no, because he's still kind of recovering. He's got, yeah, he's still got a torn ACL and, um, but he was not, I mean, he's eight. We think, we think he's eight. So he's got a, still got a little bit of a torn CCL that we're not sure about. And like running up, uphill is not going to be, not going to be his thing. Yeah. So yeah, we're, he's not, he doesn't have like puppy energy. He's super chill. It's great. I wanted to ask you, I'm calling this the deadline dungeon question. So this came up. I don't know, a few weeks ago. I think it was actually right around we had just talked with Caitlin Gerben. And I was up against a very intense, hard deadline on this buyer's guide thing we do. And I I don't think I'd ever used this phrase till around this time, but I was like telling you I was in like the deadline dungeon. And there was this kind of transformative thing you did for me where I was telling you like, I haven't been to a grocery store in like four weeks or something. (laughs) And you were like, dude, you know you can like order a pizza, right? And you're like, and they'll even like bring it to your house. This kind of blew my mind. And it really, I've been thinking about this a lot because I, I realized like, I think I do this thing where it's like when you, and we were like, just past our deadline right so like we'd blown the deadline and i think when i go into that mode i just am like you're not allowed to do anything at all you're not you're like barely allowed to sleep you can't go to the grocery store and it becomes this whole sort of ascetic self-flagellation get it done you're blowing life type of thing and when you were like dude just like order a pizza and so i did like that night and it was amazing and i it made me want to ask you about because like you're a guy you have a ton of projects all the time you have deadlines all the time and i wanted to ask you like when you're in the deadline dungeon do you have any other tips or tricks like you know (laughs) order a delightful pizza or how do you tend to do in those moments like are you good at maintaining a kind of balance or finding balance when you're kind of up against project deadlines no, but I never, I never forget to eat. Like I've literally never forgotten to eat. And I don't, I definitely don't take that out of my, if anything, that's an emotional crutch where I'm like, oh my God, I've been so busy. Let's not cook tonight. Let's go get takeout from the Greek pastry place or whatever. You know, it's like a way of being lazy. No, I'm not very good at it. And I also 
don't uh, like traditionally like um, fitness and being outside is the first thing to go. It's like, oh, I didn't have time to run today. Well, stretching was the first thing to go. I think when I was born, I will never, I'd never stretch. Yeah, I'm trying to work on that. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm learning to become one of those people who needs to move outside for an hour every day. And like, why do I feel bad? Oh, it's because I haven't done anything, you know, or I look, look at my watch with my step counter on it. And I'm like, Oh my God, I've only taken 500 steps today. That must be just back and forth to the coffee machine and, you know, to like make toast or whatever. Um, so yeah, I don't have any tips, man. I I only think, I think like when people are like, say they have a routine, I like routine really just makes me I'm terrified. I don't want to do that. It's like, you're like, what's your routine with, here's my schedule. And I'm like, I don't want to fucking schedule. That's why I work for myself. You know, like, so yeah, I'm not a good person to ask about. I I believe balance only exists in my life on a macro scale, not on a daily scale, you know, where people tell you these things to do throughout the day to make sure you're taking care of this, this, and this. I'm like, I don't do any of that. So I'm kind of like you, but gee, I would never forget that delivery pizza exists, you know, or at least just like frozen pizza, dude, like get some frozen pizzas and put them in the freezer. Like you've taught me so much. It's been a really, (laughs) this mentorship, uh, really, really grateful for it. Yeah, dude, I got, I got a, you got a PhD. I got a PhD at not forgetting to fucking eat. Like, that's, that's just why I weigh more than a lot of people who run a lot. So, <laughs> Okay, but so with the like specifically thinking about, okay, I've got an upcoming deadline or a couple deadlines. Do you have like, I know you just said like you're not into routine, but how many times a week would you like to run in a given week? Are you like, oh, I don't know. This week it might be once, it might be six times. I take it you've got a little bit more of an idea from week to week how many times you're trying to get out. Mm. I like four. Four is great. And like 40 miles is awesome for me. But like I had to, yeah, I had to step that back this year a bit, go to like 30 miles. And I was doing zero for a couple months because of a chronic cough thing that I was dealing with non COVID cough. But, um, yeah, so I went from zero to two in like three months and then slowly worked my way back. But yeah, like 40 miles a week, I can kind of to, uh, I can, I would say I can eat whatever I want at 40 miles a, a week, but it's more like 41 year old guy kind of eating whatever he wants to, to a little bit, a little bit. Um, but yeah, with the days of eating a pizza every, every night or over, So you pay more attention to like, did I get my 30 miles in or 40 miles in at the end of the week? That number matters more to you than did I get out three times a week or four times a week? You're in it for the total mileage per week. Yeah. Then you can procrastinate and be like, oh, I guess I got to run 17 miles on Saturday. And then you can just do that instead of interrupting your schedule and having to run four times and do more laundry because you've run more times and stuff like that. No, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's more. So that's actually how your project last year of like one marathon a week, you would just say like, I kind of need to get 30 miles in this week. Then you just wouldn't do it. And then it would be like, I don't know, Saturday. And you're like, I've got to go run a marathon now to hit my goal. So you, it's really the procrastination that drove. No, that I think I averaged, <laughs> I averaged 40 miles a week last year, which is, um, seems like a lot to me, but you consider like 
you know, people who run professionally will do like hundred mile weeks. Like it's nothing, you know, but yeah. So 40 miles, 26 of which all came at once, which I don't think was good for me in the long run, but it was, then I would only have to run three times a week. I'd do like eight, six, 26.2, you know, and that would get it, get it done. So wasn't good for you in what, in what primary way? Uh, I just think, um, I think like by January I had, um, not slowed down work-wise and was still having all this, you know, stress and big projects that I had to do. And then I was still running 40 miles a week, um, trying to train for, I did the Arches Ultra 50K. And right after that, I got a cold and then the cold turned into a chronic cough and the chronic cough lasted for February, March, April, three months. And then I, you know, I just like, it was like an illness that was, maybe your body trying to tell you to just like slow down. Like, why are you doing these really ridiculous things? Um, so I think, I think that's, I don't know that all the running caused it, but I don't, I don't think your body is, um, I don't think my body is designed to run a marathon a week. Um, it's just that big four hours of, well, for me, four hours for a lot of people, it's a lot less, but, uh, (laughs) four, four hours of, you know, hammering for, you know, once a week is not, it's a little, little much. Um, because I also did in this, within that I did 200 mile races, a hundred K, I think like a 50 K and like, yeah, a couple of marathon races. And like, it was just, it was just a lot. So on top of my normal, uh, mental workload. So, yeah. Well, Hey man, this has been a good catch up with Brendan episode. This is exactly what I wanted to have happen. Um, I think you've nailed it so far in terms of, you know, the catching me up. But before I let you go, like you are always a person who just, I had a friend once in college talk about, he said uh, he has his fingers in a lot of puddings. I don't know what that means. I don't think that's an expression, but like (laughs) you are somebody who has their fingers in a lot of different puddings. So I would love to finish this episode of Catch Up With Brendan by having you tell me a little bit about projects you've recently wrapped up, or soon to wrap up, or stuff you're working on. Yeah, you are the same with fingers and a lot of puddings. So yeah, I think I think we're both sort of uh, need a, a lot of things going at once to keep us going. Or in my case, I think I need a lot of things going at once to make a living. <laughs> so oh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have. I just wrapped up. Well, I think I wrapped up two book projects. One is actually a hiking guidebook to Rocky Mountain National Park that's going to be out next. Well, in 2021 spring, which is, it's pretty awful to be watching the fires in Colorado right now and going, oh my God, is any of this going to be affected? Um, I am hoping the snow comes Sunday and puts out a lot, a big chunk of the troublesome Creek fire, but, uh, that's coming out. And then also I have a running book coming out. Um, I think it's slated for March right now, 2021. So I'm hoping that, um, it's, I'm not supposed to talk about it too much, but it, it's a short book. I think it's like right around 10 or 11,000 words and has 75 illustrations in it that I drew, uh, about running and, um, about how to get going or how, basically how to talk yourself into being able to do quote unquote long distance running, which to me, I was like anything beyond running to catch a bus nowadays is long distance running, you know, evolutionarily, we, we have, we have no need to do this whatsoever. So if you're running 300, 300 feet, you're probably, that's a, that's distance running. So that's going to come out. Um, that's going to be called, I hate running and you can too. Um, (laughs) and there's a longer subtitle, how to get started 
uh, keep going and make sense of an irrational passion. So I envision it as helping people feel like they can do, you know, these longer things, whether that means a 5k or a hundred mile race or whatever, um, as well as the people who already do those things, just reading it and being finding ways to explain what they do to the people who think they're crazy, which I, I think, I hope that happens too. So that's coming. Um, if you need me to like write a chapter or like a forward, write a forward to the book, that's like, you know, the two main things Brendan has taught me is just go slower and delivery pizza is a thing. Don't forget that that's a thing. I'm happy to like write a blurb or like put oh, that in yeah. somewhere. So just let that's me know. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll run that by my editor and see, okay. if, see if she wants that to, to happen. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No. Yeah. Thanks. That's great. But yeah. And then just trying to run and, um, figure out the best mode of travel to stay fit this year. Um, I might, Hillary just bought cross country skis, so I might Ooh. buy a pair of cross country skis, even though I haven't done it since I was like 14. So I imagine the technology has improved a little bit since 1993 or 1990, whenever we bought those know, skis. Actually. You don't think so? Cross-country mm, skiing? Okay. That's a pretty simple tool. I'm, yeah, now we're going to get a bunch of hate mail or angry emails from our... We have a lot of like cross-country skier listeners to this podcast, so apologies mm -hmm. if I just offended anybody. But uh, it's a pretty... I mean, these skis have been around for a long, long time. So I feel like the the thing, the compliment I want to give to the XC equipment lovers out there, I think they've had a lot, a lot of decades to dial this stuff in pretty well. You can't say the same thing about everything, though. Like, no. you can't say the same thing about no. skiing, about, like, backpacks. Like, you know, it's all... Yeah, I don't know. I'm looking at the skis Hillary bought, and I'm thinking back to the skis I had when my parents bought skis at some shop in Omaha, Nebraska and like, God, that would have been like 1989 or something. And they look a lot nicer. They okay. look like they're a lot more dialed. So better colors, nicer top sheets. Okay. Probably lighter, probably a lot more reliable. Um, I'll report lighter and more I'll durable. report back to you. I mean, the poles I had were bamboo. They were literally sticks of bamboo, um, <laughs> with, with baskets and hand, um, and grips on them. So, which, okay at the time they were pretty pretty light and pretty sturdy um so but to end with this i mean running has been it sounds like your primary form of fitness like clear mm -hmm. number one i don't hear you talking about mountain biking or you know all the weight training you're doing at the house or something <laughs> like running is yeah running running's been it yeah okay yeah it's, it seems to capture my attention the most and i don't know i'm really I know this year has been really challenging for people who work out in gyms and I'm like kind of glad that I didn't have to make any sort of transition because I was just always trying to do stuff outdoors as opposed to work out in a gym and that that has continued to be doable all through through COVID um, so should I probably do some gym type stuff and like lift weights yeah probably should do a little strength training a little stretching <laughs> I'm working my way into that hopefully we'll see I did I did like 10 push-ups today it's a record. You're killing it. Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. In no danger of getting jacked at this point, though. <laughs> or, or swole or whatever whatever people are saying these days. Well, um, I don't know how we could end on a better note than that in, in, the, in this Brendan Leonard catch-up episode. We'll just leave with the uh, idea that uh, you... You will not be jacked or swole anytime soon. So probably ever at this point, <laughs> given my age and how how 
things happen. You know, I'm not going to rule it out. Never mind. No, it could be our next catch-up episode. You might just be yoked, and uh, it'll be like, Brendan, what happened? Tell me all about it. So, actually, I would love for that to be a thing. So, um, put that on the, you know, maybe put that on the training new, the new training regimen. Okay, sounds good. I'm on it. Okay. Hey, man, um, I'll let you get going. Always fun. And uh, I guess probably the next time I'll talk to you is we'll probably be co-hosting uh, one of these. And so we'll we'll let you back into your, you know, regular role as co-host rather than uh, than interviewee. Sounds great. I would love that. We, <laughs> we will not have to do this again for months, if ever. Okay. Not not till you're all jacked and swole. So uh, <laughs> okay, yeah, till, till then. All right, man, I'll let you go. Talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good, dude. Thanks. Well, that's it for this edition of Off the Couch. Thanks to Brendan for the conversation. And if you somehow have yet to subscribe to Brendan's newsletter, you really should. So just go to semi-rad.com, sign up for his newsletter, and make your inbox a happier place to be each week. Now, I also want to say thanks to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this episode. And from all of us here in Crested Butte, Colorado, please be safe. Please take good care of yourself and everybody else. Please keep moving forward. We will talk to you again next week.